0: Many wonderful things take place when we experience salvation. Tonight I want to deal with, not to steal a phrase from a former vice president, with an inconvenient truth. When you got saved, your sins were forgiven. When you got saved, your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. When you got saved, you became a citizen of the New Jerusalem. And when you got saved, you got drafted into the Lord's army. All of us. As many as have received salvation. At that moment, we were drafted and became a soldier in the Lord's army. The Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy here, says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is what we're going to have to deal with. Beloved, it's a fight. It's a fight. And you're going to have to fight if you want to or not. You're going to have to engage the enemy if it's pleasant or unpleasant. It's going to happen. Paul says, Timothy, you've got to fight. You fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. I, I, one thing that concerns me is the blasé attitude some folks have about salvation. You know, well. If the Lord wants to save me, here I am. No, no, no. You lay hold on eternal life. If the lady with the issue of blood had had that attitude, she would never got healed. That lady with the issue of the blood had the right attitude. I'm going to get to him, and when I do, if I can touch him, he'll heal me. Now, between where she was and where he was was a vast number of people. She had to elbow her way through people. And on top of that, she had to deal with the weakness in her own body, which brought her eventually to her hands and her knees. But she made it. She fought the good fight of faith. She fought her way through every obstacle. And when she touched the hem of his garment, he healed her. Peter, who touched me? Lord, there's a million people pressing in here trying. And you you want to know who touched you? Who touched me? What? He said, I felt virtue, power of the Holy Spirit flow through me. Somebody just got healed. And then she fasted up. Lord, it was me. But she was standing up when she fasted up. You know, because that lady got healed. Fight the good fight of faith. You're going to have to. Amen. Now, I'm going to share several scriptures with you tonight as, as the Lord has impressed them upon me to get this point across. The Apostle Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians 9 and 26 He said in the last phrase, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. He said, I'm not shadow boxing. I'm in a genuine boxing match. I'm not beating the air. I am laying blows upon my opponent. And then in verse 27, he says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Because our first enemy is not the devil. It's the flesh. A lot of folks, you know, Give credit to the devil when it ain't the devil at all, it's the flesh. And 99% of the time, all the enemy does is provide us opportunity to indulge the passions of the flesh. Very few people rarely interrupt in, in, in that specific engagement with him because he brings us to a place of weakness through that. So Paul says, I discipline. See, that's a word people don't want to hear today. Brother, don't talk to me about discipline. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. Don't talk to me about enduring hardness. Just talk to me about the blessings of God. That's all I want. And the blessings of God are many. But, beloved, it does not discount what the Bible says to us about what we're going to experience in this life between now and the resurrection takes place, or between now and that time when life leaves this body and we enter into the presence of God Almighty. It's going to be a fight. And you're going to have to fight if you like it or not. Those who came before us fought. Amen. They fought the good fight of faith. That's why we're here. And what legacy are we going to leave those should the Lord uh, not come before then after we're gone? We must leave them a legacy of spiritual combat. Folks who said, I am not afraid to engage the enemy. Paul said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Listen, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. (laughs) Boy, that's pretty rugged. And he's talking about it. He's talking about being an apostle. Lest after I have preached to others, he said, I discipline my body. I bring my body into subjection. I do now what I could not do before I got saved. I don't expect unsaved people to sanctify themselves. One, they have no inclination to do so and two they have no ability to do so but for the child of God read Romans chapter 6 we have been set free now it is a lie of the devil to tell you that that you are somehow uh, uh, chained in to bondage you're not we have been liberated through the shed blood of Jesus Christ praise God and what we could not do before, now because we have been born again, we are in, regenerated, now we can do. Brother Andy, I just can't. Very few people come up and, and, and share that with me, the ones that know me because they know what I'm going to tell them. Are you saved? Yeah. Don't tell me what, ain't no can't. You child of God, there ain't no can't. What you've done, you've, you've heard the devil has told you that you can't and you've believed him. You haven't read the word of God and believed what the Lord said. Amen. I give you power. And I'm fixing to read that scripture in a second. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Hallelujah. That's our declaration of independence right there. Paul said, I discipline my body now because I can. I couldn't before, but now I can. I bring myself into subjection to the will of God now. I could not before, but now as a child of God, I can. Second Timothy 2 and 3, again, writing to Timothy. He said, You therefore, listen, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. This preaching ain't ever gonna get me on TV. It's a wonder I got in the Son of the News. If Gene had come by I'd been in service with us, he may not have given me that phone call. You must therefore endure hardship. I won't hear nothing about no hardship, Brother Andy. I want to hear about having it easy. Amen. I want to hear about just sliding my way through. It's not going to happen. We must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now listen to him. I'm going to share something with you. You probably ain't going to hear too many other places. If you're a child of God, you're going to have to deal with something. There's something all of us have to deal with. We have to face it up. We we have to meet the challenge. We have to deal with it. We go to the word of God, got old Gideon. Our kids know about Gideon. His army was too big. God deliberately put him in a position of disadvantage. You got too many guys. You're going to go win that battle, and when you do, you're going to stick your chest out and say, Boy, look what we did. He said, I won't have that. I'm going to whittle you down to 300 men so that when you go and I win the battle for you, at the end of it, you'll lift up hands and give me praise for what I've done. Oh, Brother Andy, that's Old Testament. Well, let's speed shift into the New Testament. Here's the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. He's blinded, and the Lord touches him. He gives him his sight back, but he also gives him a souvenir. He has an issue with his eyes. He has a thorn in the flesh. Oh, not the Apostle Paul. This man killed a fellow by preaching too long. Long Long-winded preaching to kill you. I can take you to the book of Acts and prove it. Poor old Eutychus sitting in the window. And Paul was lengthy. And I, I make this connection, and I'm not knocking Brother Messer. I love him dearly. Brother Douglas Messer can preach all day. And it's, it'll be good from one end to the other. And I, and I just, you know, when I hear Brother Messer, sometimes I just say, I, I, that's probably how the Apostle Paul sent it. But poor old Eutychus sitting in the window, and Paul preached him. To, he fell asleep fell out of the window. He was dead as a hammer. This same Apostle Paul goes down, lays on him, and the power of the Holy Spirit brings life back in that man's body. This man has seen miracle after miracle after miracle. He's no stranger to the healing virtue of Jesus Christ or the power of his name, but he's got an issue with his eyes. And three times, I mean, uh, this is in the context of a now I lay me down to sleep. This is in the context of some gut, oh, God, help me, praying. Three times. The Lord said, no, I'm going to put you at a position of disadvantage so that every victory that you experience, when it's over, you'll lift your hands and give me the praise for it. What about Timothy? What did Paul tell Timothy? Why didn't Paul just heal Timothy? Timothy drank a little wine. And this whole deal, look, Jesus never got nobody drunk at that wedding of Cana, okay? Okay. And people will tell you, well, it was wine. No, no, no. It was wine. It was grape juice. It tasted great, but it didn't get nobody drunk. That's not the Jesus I've read about in the Bible. Be sober. I've had some discussions with folks about this on the web, on the discussion side on, on the web. There are going to be times, folks, he's going to put you in a position of disadvantage. Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake and you're often infirmities, weakness. You've got issues. Well, Paul, will not you just jump down there, lay hands on him, praise God, and him be healed. There are going to be times when the Lord is going to allow you to occupy a place of disadvantage on purpose. Why is that? So that he might demonstrate his mighty power through us that in spite of whatever it may be that you're facing or whatever it may be that you're dealing with or no matter what it may be that is a thorn in your flesh, that in spite of that, God Almighty is going to win a victory in your life. And when he does, you'll lift up hands and give him all the praise and the glory and the honor. Timothy, endure. See, people don't want to hear that persevere, endure. Can I share something with you that may curl your hair or straighten it out, whatever the case may be? I looked at Carl and I said, straighten her hair. There are times when Brother Andy's had to deal with this. There are times when old Brother Andy has been disappointed. There have been times when old Brother Andy's been discouraged down in the dumps. I've got who, first time I've heard the word mully grubs, I think Brother Tatum said that, somebody said that. There have been times I've had to deal with stuff. We all have to. Amen. It is when we make up our mind that in spite of that, I'm going to serve God. That's the victory. Not long after I got saved, I had an issue with these thoughts in my mind. Wow. I mean, I can't even Go there, just heinous, ungodly junk. I'd have dreams at night. I'd get up, the girl would say, "What's the matter?" And I'd just be squalid. Man, you wouldn't believe the dream I had. It was just, it was just awful. It was an attack of the enemy. And I, you know, and I, you know, I, I tried. You know, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. And I can take you to the place on Espy Street. I remember where that was. When in that old seventy-three Jeep. When I decided, I didn't say anything out loud, but I, in my mind, I said, "Lord." If I have to put up with this, I will, but I mean to serve you in spite of it. And when that thought went through my brain, I had immediate deliverance from it. Praise God. uh, Since then, has there been other stuff you've had to deal with? Sure, and you're going to have to deal with it. But the thing of it tonight, we need to make up our minds that we are going to endure hardness as a good soldier. The life of a soldier isn't always, you know, peaches and cream and, and, and greasy easy and all this other that we would like for it to be. Now, we're going to experience that when we enter into the eternal kingdom of God. But between now and then, we've got to deal with junk in this world. Paul, you're, they were an embarrassment. What was it? One of the churches, Paul said, I appreciate the fact you all have been so kind to me because my eyes are such a mess. And how many times at the end of the letter, he says, I, Paul, will sign this in my own writing so you'll know that I dictated this letter. And he makes these big old letters, Paul, so they'd know. And they say, yeah, Paul signed that because he can't see worth flip. There's going to be something, beloved, we're going to have to deal with. Timothy, endure hardness. Don't give up just because something happened that you don't like. Don't give up because you've had to deal with some unpleasantness. Don't give up because something has discouraged you. Everybody going to experience discouragement. It's going to happen. You've got to make up your mind now that in spite of it, I mean to serve the Lord. I mean to do that with my dying breath. And it's not a question of our willpower because it is that. Well, let's see what Paul tells Timothy. Talk about his good confession. Amen. Back at Timothy 6 and 12, you've confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That confession of faith in Christ is the prize. We endure hardship. Verse number 4, no one engaged in warfare, listen, entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him As a soldier. If being a child of God is your hobby, you need to let go of that hobby and get yourself in here full time. Ooh. If your relationship with a God is a take it or leave it depending on the conditions and the circumstances, you need to get in this altar. Amen. And pray yourself through until you come to that state of mind that says, Lord, I got my mind made up. Amen. Paul had to deal with his eyes. Timothy had to deal with his stomach. Peter had to deal with his mouth. Peter had to deal with his prejudice. You know, Peter did good to that bunch come from Jerusalem. And Paul's going, Excuse me, son, but I'm, I'm fixing to embarrass you in front of everybody. Now you ate with these Gentiles before these boys came from James and from Jerusalem, but now these Jewish brothers have come. You have separated yourself from the Gentiles, and you're eating at this other table now, and you act like you don't even know these folks. Shame on you. Peter took it. Everybody's got something. It's what are, and it, 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 is, it varies with the individual. But the point I want to make tonight is that we've got to make up our minds. And we cannot be entangled with the affairs of this world. That don't mean you can't do nothing. But it means that nothing takes the place of your relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. We don't get so entangled up in the affairs of this world that we are no longer used or can be used by God as a soldier in his army. Our number one responsibility is to proclaim this gospel so that souls may be brought into the kingdom of God so that people might be saved. That's it. That's number one. Preach the gospel throughout all the world. Make disciples of all the night. The second thing is to instruct folks from the word of God and what the word of God says, how, what we ought to do and how we ought to live. Amen. Boy, you going to get somebody. I had folks riled at me and I said, I didn't write it. Oh, I know you were no, I didn't write it. I didn't write that. Did read it for yourself. It's the word of God if you like it or not. It's the word of God if it, if it fits your mold or not. It's still the word of God. And when we get to that place, we say, Lord, your word is the final authority in my life and I want to live according to the dictates and the discipline of the word of God. You'll find yourself walking that walk, walking in the light. Amen. But the church has got to the place today that I'm talking about as a whole, this whole seeker-friendly deal, you know, don't don't be you know don't confront folks with their sin, what well, Jesus did, John the Baptist did. Herod, you can't have her, she's your brother's wife. It cost him. Oh no, I don't want to experience the consequences of being controversial. Jesus experienced the consequences of being controversial in his life. Who is this man who says he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Hello, you're, if you were looking at Jesus, you're looking at God. If you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at the only person on the earth that has the authority that nobody else can forgive you of your sins but Jesus. He healed on the Sabbath. Oh. When folks got healed, appreciate the fact he healed on the Sabbath. Amen. The apostle wrote, Come out from among them, be ye separate says the Lord do not entangle yourself I mean the, the, the world is our battlefield it is, it is also um, the, the place of harvest where souls are brought into the kingdom of God if we aren't careful we'll let, other stuff, we'll let the, the enemy he's subtle deceitful lure us away from what is most important our most important responsibility proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ telling people up front if you do not believe In the Lord Jesus Christ, you are lost. That hell is real. And there's more people going to hell than they are going to heaven. Amen. That the only way to get to heaven is to put your faith and your trust. It's not a question of joining the church. It's a question of believing in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3, here we go. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know why the Lord delivered me from that? Because I told him that I was willing to serve him in spite of it. And that brought that into obedience, and I experienced deliverance from that. I wasn't possessed by the devil. I was just aggravated by the enemy. And too many folks, when we experience aggravation from the enemy of our soul, are just all to get too rich. To, don't quit. Don't give up. Amen. Persevere. Continue. Sometimes you just have to shut your mouth. Sometimes you just have to take it and go on. Amen. Sometimes you just have to say, Lord, in spite of it, I mean to serve you. You know what God does to folks who make that declaration and mean it? He blesses them. He strengthens them. Praise God. Now, the sad truth is and is the truth. We have an enemy, and we don't acknowledge that. There is somebody after us. First Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for somebody to chew up and spit out. Verse 9, Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, don't let the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The devil is real. The enemy is real. Our response to him is resist him. That's what James said too. Resist the devil; he'll flee from you. He lies to uh, he lies to you, trying to convince you that he has more power than God Almighty. He lies to you and tries to convince you that no. You're not, he that is in you is not greater than me. Jesus said he is a liar and is a liar from the beginning. Amen. And if you want to experience victory over the enemy, you just start confessing Jesus Christ and see what happens. Amen. It's very simple. I confess, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, that he is the Messiah of Israel, and He is a Savior of the Gentiles that he is alive from the dead, and right now he is seated in glory at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for everybody that will call on his name, even if it's Mama Chowdhury that don't know no better than somebody told her that he was God. Whoo! There is power. We sing at him, power. Overcoming, resurrecting power, saving power. In the blood of Jesus Christ. You want to get the devil off you? Plead the blood. Amen. Confess the blood of Jesus. I believe that the blood that Jesus shed on that cross when he gave himself as a sacrifice is altogether able to wash away every sin in my life and save my immortal soul. I believe that. I believe in his sacrifice. I believe in his resurrection. And I believe in his return. And devil, there ain't nothing you can do to change any of that. You know what happens when you begin to confess him and stand up on your spiritual feet? You receive power and anointing of the Spirit of Almighty God. Hallelujah. You start walking in victory. Jesus said in Luke 10 and 19, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, the apostle writes to us, but thanks be to God who gives us, key word is give, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. First John five and four, "And whatever is born of God overcomes the world. The devil don't want you to embrace that. Have you been born again? You're going to overcome the world. and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Amen. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. We are not victims and we are not defeated. We are victorious. Look, folks, the war's already been won. We battle for the souls of men. Jesus won the war on Calvary. It is finished. And the earth started shaking. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And boy, everything started rocking in. Why? Because the war had just been won. Praise God. What does the Bible say? He goes to Abraham's bosom with this fellow that was crucified that said, Lord, remember me. That guy saved. You go with Jesus Christ to Abraham's bosom following his crucifixion. The Lord brings you there. You're saved, friend. How'd that guy get saved? Lord, He didn't express some eloquent sinner's prayer. He said, Lord, remember me. When you enter into your kingdom, remember me. I'm standing over here. I'm dying. I know I'm dead. I have no hope of this life. But, Lord, remember me. When the other man began to mock him, he said, you and I deserve this, but this man is innocent. How did he know that? (coughs) The Spirit of God revealed it to him. Amen. And what was the Lord's response? Well, after you pay for your sinful pay, no, no. He said, verily, I say saying to you, this day, today, <laughs> woo! you won't have to wait. I'm bringing you to the head of the line. Today you shall be with me in paradise, in Abraham's bosom. I got a three-day camp meeting to go preach. I got some folks that are going to New Jerusalem. They're leaving the confines of the underworld, and they're going to the New Jerusalem. Because you can't, why, why is that, Brother Annie? Because nobody goes to heaven unless Jesus takes them there. Praise God. Hallelujah. He got the keys, the Word of God instructs us. Death, hell, and the grave. The devil had them. But he ain't got them now. You don't know why? Because Jesus took them away from him. And you'll never convince me that he asked for them. Excuse me, old son of the morning. Would you please hand me the keys that were forfeited by Adam? He didn't go and ask him for them keys. He went up and slapped them out of his hand. (laughs) Glory to God. And see, the the reason we get discouraged is we're like Peter getting out of the boat. We take our eyes off Christ and put it on the storm. We start sinking. If Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he would walk with him on the water into the boat. The only reason Peter sank was he took his eyes off the Lord. But as long as he had his eyes on the Lord, he was walking on the water with the Lord, the Lord enabling him to do so. Matthew 17 and 18. And this is at the Mount of Transfiguration. you Remember the the boy that uh, had the seizures? And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came, and I love this, the disciples came to Jesus privately. They didn't ask this question out in front of everybody. Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Are you telling me these guys that spent all their days and nights with Jesus possessed a measure He did any measure of unbelief in us hinders us and handicaps us? For surely I say to you if, you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. That sounds like discipline to me. That sounds like submitting ourselves and bringing ourselves into subjection. Last scripture I want to share with you before we pray 2 Timothy 4 and 6. This is the end of Paul's life. And he tells Timothy, For I am ready, I'm all ready being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, past tense. I have finished the race, past tense. I have kept the faith because this is what it's all about and this is what it all comes down to. There is only one prize that the enemy of your soul is interested in. He don't care about your health. He don't care about how you feel. He don't care about how much money you make. He don't care about how much money you lose. He don't care about what position in society you may hold. He doesn't care about how much political power you may uh, possess or how much influence that you may possess over other folks. There's only one thing the devil's interested in. There's only one prize he's after. And his whole campaign against you is just this one goal, to separate you from the faith in Jesus Christ that will save your soul. He's after your faith in Jesus. And if he can engineer any kind of circumstance in order to remove that or separate you from that, he'll do it. Well, brother, ain't it? Why want the Lord? Well, let's go to the Word of God and find out. Y'all remember an old boy named Job? Job was a good old boy. Job lived a life of spiritual discipline. Job was a praying man. He prayed every day. He prayed a good while every day. Job was a wealthy man. Job was a blessed man. And when uh, the angels appeared before the Lord, and this one really gets me because Satan has to appear before them too. What you been doing? Well, I've been roaming around the earth. Oh, okay. Trying to find somebody. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what about old Job? You took a shot at him? You know, and I'm paraphrasing. This is Brother Andy's translation. You took a shot at old Job? Well, I would, but he has... Prayed up a wall around himself and his family that I can't get through. (laughs) Brother Andy, do we need to pray? Take that and put it in your post-hostage. Amen. I can't get to him. He has prayed up a wall. You have erected a, a, a wall of protection around him because he's a praying man, and I can't get through it. Of course, I'll tell you what, I'll drop it. And I'll let you do anything but kill him. You do that, he'll curse you. No, he won't have at him. Now, from Job's perspective, I can say, Lord, (laughs) thanks. All of a sudden, in one day, everything is gone. Now, you imagine that. It didn't happen over over weeks. In one day, everything Job held dear was gone. His children were gone. His livelihood was gone. and I don't want to get in no trouble saying this, but the only thing the devil didn't touch was his wife for a reason. Why? Because he knew that she'd help him. Why don't you just curse God and die? Job said, no, I won't. I'll trust in him and live. you a man sitting on a heap of ashes, and you are scraping the scabs off your body. I'm, this is just absolute gross. You, are scra- you got a, a piece of pottery, and you are literally scraping the scabs and the pus running out of them scabs off of your body. You are in pitiful condition, absolute pitiful condition, and your wife, woman that you love, says, why don't you just curse God and die for the calamity that has befallen you? And Job says, no, I will not. He goes on to say a little like that, even though the skin worms eat this body, I know, I know my Redeemer lives. <laughs> Woo! Can we learn a lesson from that? No matter what I'm facing, no matter what disappointments I'm having to deal with, no matter what the externals are, when it comes right down to where the rubber hits the road, the nitty gritty, I know that in spite of my condition, in spite of the things that discourage me, in spite of the things that depress me, I know that my Redeemer lives. Take notice, He didn't say, I believe He lives. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. How can that man say that? His kids are dead. His wealth is gone. His health is gone. And in spite of that, I will not curse him. I will praise him. I will lift up hands that have scabs. Amen. I'll lift up poor man's hands. I'll lift... I'll lift up grieving man's hands my children are dead I'll lift up everything that has befallen me in spite of that i lift it up Lord I believe I know my Redeemer lives and I know that one day I'll see you praise God you know why get ready hold on because my faith and trust in God does not depend upon how I feel or what my condition is. My faith in God is established upon the Word of Almighty God and has been confirmed by the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. And there are those things that are greater than what I've experienced. Like a mighty army. Amen. Look, folks, our forefathers in this thing, you know, we lift, and we ought to, and I'm I'm thankful for our heritage. It is a good heritage. It's a godly heritage. But boy, they had stuff. They had stuff they had to deal with. Buckaloo. Wow. You know, we get, man, all them great meetings, all them folks getting saved, all them things happening, Buckaloo preaching, people crawling to the altar. I'm up here begging folks come to the altar. Buckaloo has a meeting. People crawl to the altar. And he does something I wouldn't dare do. If somebody was in the altar and and, and he had the impression that they were just messing around playing games, he'd grab them by the get 'em up, grab the collar, say, You need to go sit down. When you mean business with God, you can come back. Wow. I'd be put in jail if I'd done that. Somebody call all, Brother Andy lost his mind. But you know what those folks did after they got back to the pew? They fell on their face. They crawled back in that altar. They meant business with God. And Lord saved them. But see, <laughs> I mean, you have a meeting and you got a carnival across the street, and the carnival shuts down because everybody's at your meeting. You got ice cream in Gaston, Alabama, that's twenty five cents a dish, something along that line, and they have to drop the price and then deliver it to your house because nobody's coming to the ice cream parlor, because everybody's at Buckaloo's tent. Everybody's at the meeting. Amen. And what does he get for that? Does the mayor come and present him to the key of, you know, the city of Gansta? No, he gets arrested and thrown in jail. And his wife, Sister Buckaloo, spends the night with the jailer's wife at their house. You know, you would think for all this, somebody would say, hey, what no, he gets thrown in jail. You in jail. What does he do all night while the three men, while they're in jail? And I I have had a conversation with a man who is the grandson of one of those men. I met him in Charlotte, North Carolina several years ago. What do they do? Oh, God, we in jail. Lord, I can't believe you let this happen to me. After everything I've done, I deserve better. No. They lifted their hands toward heaven. And praise God. Said, so "Thank you, Lord, that I have been counted worthy to suffer shame for Your name'sake." Woo hoo! Woo! What's the devil going to do with that attitude? I mean, what's he going to do with that attitude? Lord, I thank you that I have been counted worthy to suffer shame for your namesake. I thank you that I have been counted worthy to be arrested and thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. I thank you that I have been counted worthy to suffer persecution. What can the enemy do with that? He can't do nothing with that. He can't do nothing with that. And he can't do nothing with us if we'll adopt that same attitude. Amen. Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of my obedience. Amen. You are worthy of my sacrifice. You are worthy of my worship. And I don't deserve none of it. I was lost as a day-old duck, covered in sin and bound for hell. And you saved me, and your blood has washed away my sins. And I was a dead man walking, and you gave me life. Hallelujah. And my relationship with you is not based on the externals. I like, if I could change a lot of stuff, boy, I'd give you a list right now. If the Lord said, Brother Andy, I'm going to let you change whatever you want to change. I said, okay, give me that pen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I mean, I can give you a list of stuff I like, personally would like to change. But my relationship with God is not based on that. I don't enjoy sticking myself with a needle six times. Yeah, six times a day. I don't like needles. And I know I whine and cry about that all the time. And I, you know, when I share with y'all, you know, and y'all know all my, all my stuff about my health issues and all that. This body's going to die anyway, one way or another. But whatever it is that I have had to experience Is nothing compared to what Jesus experienced to save my wretched soul. Amen. And I pray by God's grace. This this, this isn't an expression of, of will or puffing myself up or anybody else. But I just pray by God's grace. Amen. Give me grace to continue. Give me grace to persevere. Give me grace to praise your name. Hallelujah. Smith Wigglesworth saw untold. Number of people healed in his meetings. You go to Wigglesworth meeting in England, it's a full house. People there in wheelchairs, in crutches, they all messed up. Sick, hurt, they come up, Wigglesworth pray for them, Jesus would heal them. And they would pile the crutches and the wheelchairs up and have big heaps of this stuff because the people that come limping in went running out. Now we all want to see that. I do, I want to see that. If it happens here, I'll be the first in line. Well, excuse me. I'm senior pastor. I get first in line. Jesus healing, folks. Get me, you know. You know what you don't know? Smith Wigglesworth was in torment with kidney stones. Anybody had a kidney stone in here? I hadn't. Thank you, Jesus. But they tell me it's the worst thing that can happen to a human being. I've heard ladies say they've had them, and they said, I'd rather birth a baby and have a kidney stone, and that impressed me. Smith Wigglesworth would rile on the floor with kidney stones and cry out, Oh God, why? You've healed all these other people. Lord, why don't you? Did he give up? Did he quit? Oh Lord, well, I, I'm going to hang it up because I had a bout with kidney stones. When a thousand people are outside the place waiting to get in so he can pray for them and Jesus would heal him. How many folks did the Lord heal under the ministry of A.B. Carroll? Only God knows. You know what impresses me about Brother Carroll? In his later years, when he really got there, to where he could barely whisper. I remember one night at church, there was just a handful of us there. But Brother Carol was there, and he could barely talk above a whisper. But he started walking around that sanctuary, put his hands up toward heaven. Just smile. It's here for you. If you want it, you can have it. We go over there and pray for Brother Carol. Let's go pray for Brother Carol. You know what happened when you went to pray for Brother Carol? Brother Carol prayed for you. I knelt down beside that recliner, and he put that big old mitt of a hand on top of my head. I went to pray for him. He put that big old mitt on top of me, and, man, I feel the spirit of God right and I'm not I'm not blowing him up. He, he was a great man. But what I'm my point is this: that in spite of what he had to deal with, he had made his mind up that he was going to endure hardness as a good soldier. And at this point in his life, he wasn't going to give up on salvation, just because everything wasn't the way he wanted it to be. Let me tell you one more thing, and I shared it with you this morning. I'm on a hush. I promise. I preached Larry Carroll's funeral. Larry didn't live for the Lord. You knew Larry? He was a sight. He was a mess. But Larry got saved before he died. And I told those folks at his funeral, and I'll tell you tonight, for those of you who wasn't here this morning, this funeral ain't about Larry Carroll. It's about A.B. and Dalton Carroll who lived for God, who prayed for him so that before he left this world, he got himself right with the Lord. Amen. Janice Carroll, before she left this world, she got herself right with the Lord. You know why? Because her mom and daddy were praying people. And if you got somebody that's lost this morning, I want you to leave this house encouraged and not discouraged because God is faithful. If we'll pray, he'll hear us. Amen. He's already done miracles. And, and just, just because it isn't exactly the type of miracle that I wanted to see does not make it any less of a miracle what the Lord does. Amen. He hears us when we pray. He touches us. He blesses us. Like a mighty army. Now, that's what Brother Khan used as a title of the book of the history of the Church of God. But like a mighty army, that's what we're a part of. We're going to have to do battle. We're going to have to make up our mind not to look to the right or the left or to let externals affect us because they do so easily. And like I shared with you, I mean, I'm not Superman. I get, you know... I have, to, I have to deal with stuff just like everybody else does. And here's what the devil don't want us to know. is that All of us have to deal with stuff, which is why the Lord is building the church so that when we come here, you know when you come here, to this, and I'm not, this ain't about me, this is about the Lord. The Lord did this. And when you come here, if you've had to deal with something, you know this altar is open. When you come here, if you've had to deal with something, you know there are people in this house that love you Amen. If you've had a bad week, we love you. If you've had to deal with stuff, we love you. We'll pray for you. Amen. I'm not going to give up on nobody because Jesus didn't give up on me. Bless his name. Like a mighty army, beloved, let us endure hardness. Let us discipline ourselves. Let us make up our mind. We're going all the way to the end. Stand your feet. He's through with me.